0: studio i am mama mac and my dear wonderful co-host the famous the amazing the incomparable i've never used that adjective no that's a new one that is a new one dr angel falzoni phd licensed mental health counselor and we are always so glad to be right here in these chairs yes all right see, yeah see how famous she is she is thank you pete (laughs) <laughs> and we're always so glad to be right here on Thursday nights. What a joy. Sometimes we have to uh, play reruns occasionally once in a while when you're out of town or I'm out of town. But in the meantime, we're just glad we're here live. Yes, we are. I you know. And it's already November. It is November. Ooh. And we started a new series last week. And we want to invite people to go to our website, goyard2014.org. It's an org and listen to some of these shows, because our website is a little different than the podcast here, which they can go here to Tantalknetwork.com, podcast, go yard. Why would they want to go to our website?
1: Well, the website has all of our shows titled, so you'll kind of get a gist of what that show is about. So we might've done a show about stress or parenting, and it didn't make sense for you in the moment we did it, but you can go back and find it when life happens. Exactly,
0: and actually, um, About every month or so, we catch up the website. So it's a little behind right now. Got to get with the webmaster. But anyway, you can go to like last week's show. If you missed it, go to TantalkNetwork.com. Go to podcasts and then go to Go Yard and you'll find it right there. Because we started a new series last week and we knew it would be more than one show. But it's going to be more than two shows. It's
1: complicated. Or
0: three shows. And the title of it is...
1: It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs>
0: Surviving divorce. And right. And that is a complicated I- issue, isn't it? It really is. And you know, last week, we, we really, of course, we always love doing these shows. It's just fun. You know, we get in here and we can't even, we amaze ourselves of what happens in here. And we we Beca- do. <laughs> because uh, we don't really talk it, talk it out or anything. We have some notes sometimes and sometimes we don't. <clears throat> but... Uh,
1: This topic is so important. Why, doctor? Well, you know, I think it impacts a lot of people, and it's something that people just don't talk about. Um, They may talk about, you know, oh, I'm going to divorce to somebody they trust, but, you know, a lot of times there's some shame associated with it, feeling like I failed or maybe I'm doing something wrong. And so it's just not a topic that a lot of people will go out and seek resources and, and get support for. Or there's not a lot of support available, because it's kind of like this thing that we all know is there, but we really don't want to talk about that nitty-gritty part of of divorce. And there's a lot of nitty-gritty parts to it that need to be exposed. It's kind of painful. It's very painful. And excuse me, guys, everybody, I've got uh,
0: the tail end of a cold that my little twin granddaughters gave me last weekend so i want to thank a and b for that contribution to my life <laughs> but anyway so i make off here and there but <clears throat> we d- we started this discussion last week just about the fact that people get divorced for a lot of different reasons right oh
1: absolutely and
0: and we kind of talked about an escalation sometimes people get divorced because you you mentioned last week they're just not gro- they're, they've grown apart they're not
1: growing together yes and that happens. And, you know, one of the things I look at when we look at research and statistics and the numbers, one of the prime times that happens in a marriage is when the kids have left the nest. Really? You know, the, they were the commonality that they kind of had that together. But then wow. they realize, I really don't know this person that I share a bed with every night. And, right. and that's a very um, common time that we'll see that I've grown apart divorce.
0: And I think you mentioned last week, Doctor, that a lot of times people have been thinking about divorce for maybe two or three years or four years or whatever before it actually starts. Do you want to amplify on that, and why would that be?
1: Well, they're contemplating it, you know, and it's not an easy decision. No, it's a Um, very difficult one. Because there's a lot of of shame or guilt behind it. So a lot of times people make that decision. The person who initiates the divorce has contemplated it for at least three years before they've ever taken a step towards divorce. Wow.
0: Well, we talked about all that last week. So go to last week's show and catch up on all that. But we didn't intend to, but we got into a discussion of the spiritual aspects last week towards the end of the show because so many people love to spout the sentence, God hates divorce. And then they don't realize that God wants us to be happy and in peace. That's really what it's about.
1: Absolutely, and and you're right. And that leads to a lot of guilt that people struggle right. with, and a lot of reasons why there's a secrecy behind it. So they right. may be struggling, but they're not admitting that they're struggling and able to get help because there's a shame behind that in the faith systems for a lot of faith systems out there.
0: Well, absolutely. And there's probably, and I know this to be a fact because of years of counseling as a pastor, a lot of people are sitting in churches and feel that they cannot get relief from a a even a
1: um, abusive relationship because their pastor would kick them out of church or whatever. Well, and that happens. And, you know, in a faith... The Christian faith especially, but it's based on a patriarchal society, you know, a system there where the man is the head of the household. And, you know, when you have an abusive system, they, a lot of faith systems will guilt women to just submit to your Same. husband and this is what God wants from you. And and they buy into that while they're being abused for years right. and years. And so that's a very complicated, the whole oh, that faith is. piece is complicated. And we kind of
0: touched on that last week, so we won't go back over that. But just to let you know that you really need to go catch part one of this series. Tonight, we're going to talk about kids and divorce, because that's one of the major reasons that I've heard through the years, and you as a counselor probably have too, about why people hesitate to get a divorce, because they may be miserable, they may be being abused, they may be emotionally abused, they may be physically abused, financially abused, all the different abuses that there are, and yet, They think, I can't do this because of my kids.
1: Well, you know, there is a belief that um, people have that, oh, well, divorce is really, really hard on kids, and it's going to ruin their life and, you know, it'll sabotage everything that they have in life. And now, you know, lead them into drugs and alcohol and all kinds of bad stuff. But the truth is, when you take the research apart... That it is more healthy for children to have a healthy single parent and have divorced parents than to live in a toxic marriage environment. You're saying that as a professional? As a professional. As a
0: PhD licensed mental health counselor, as a person who deals with this all the time. The research shows that, right?
1: It's more healthy for them to go through that. Say that again, because it may be news to a lot of people. The research shows that it's more (laughs) healthy for children to have a healthy single parent than a toxic marriage environment. And what's toxic? Are they hearing fighting, bickering, screaming, nasty words? Those are unhealthy relationship patterns that aren't on the abusive trajectory. And then all the stuff that happens of demeaning partners and all that, that's an unhealthy environment. And what you're doing is setting your children up to either be A, the one who continues that in their relationship that they have. Okay, stop right there on A and talk to me
0: about that because does research show that kids that have grown up in that tend to take on some of those same traits. That can be an
1: outcome that happens. So some kids will take on You're, that, you're telling me it can. be. Yeah, you know I love that <laughs> word. She's going to make me a t-shirt that just says it, it can, can be because that's that right because she does. Um, and by the way why don't you introduce your guest here? we do we have uh michelle schmidt here my uh friend from back in middle school sitting and listening to us in the audience tonight <laughs> yeah yes
0: yeah. somebody knew
1: you Claire, back then when you weren't on a phd she and famous did. she knew me when i was
0: naughty Not- little middle schooler Naughty little middle schooler well welcome michelle we're glad you're here in the studio it's always fun to have our friends come in okay so back to a so what does the research show about kids that, that do they tend to,
1: to have some of those same behavioral patterns? Right. So they can go that way. So there's usually like couple outcomes. So they'll either A, pick up those patterns and carrying into their relationships so they have unhealthy relationships. Okay. Or B, they become passive and allow other people to mistreat them. So they they're set up more for abusive relationship systems,
0: and this can happen boys or girls. It doesn't, well, it doesn't make matter. Any Gender doesn't right?
1: matter. Absolutely not. So we'll see. Um, sometimes we'll see some um, birth. Their uh, place in birth may make a difference. Birth order? Uh, birth, really, thank you. It's Thursday. My brain's tired. Uh, Birth order can make a difference. You'll see like older kids tend to take on more of the aggressor part, whereas uh, younger kids may take on the more victimized part. Oh, really? Absolutely. But it sets them up and it teaches them this unhealthy, toxic system is normal. It's their normal. Okay. Homes that
0: have like a lot of this kind of stuff going on before a divorce or during the divorce or maybe everybody's still trying to live under the same roof and- God forbid that's very difficult, right? But if that's the case, they are these kids are seeing some intense interaction.
1: They are, and very unhealthy interactions. But they're right. seeing it in their home, and our home is normal. So no matter what your home environment looks like growing up, that's what we gauge what that's everyone's home should look like. And right. so when we accept that as normal, we repeat those patterns in one of those ways. Okay.
0: So that is a very important issue for those of you out there in Radio Land that are thinking about divorce or are going through it right now, that you're actually going to help your kids if you
1: can get to a place of stability, not this crazy behavior. Right. And if you can become healthy and independent, that is, kids are resilient and they'll learn healthier relationship styles and behavioral patterns. They'll learn what's not accepted and what is accepted. And that's an important lesson. And we teach what we model. Right. So we can't tell our kids, yes, I want you to have someone who treats you well, when we've had someone who's treated us like dirt for, you know, the last 16 years. Because what you model is what they learn. Exactly.
0: And so often kids are are so vulnerable. A lot of times these kinds of relationships, it's bad when the kids are little and it just continues up. And yeah. that's all they've ever known.
1: It is all they've ever known. Um, and, you know, the, the awesome part is kids are very, very resilient. And so when we stay in that toxic marriage relationship or even just we're cohabitating, but it's a long-term relationship. If it's a toxic relationship, our kids are going to have more anxiety, more depression, right, exactly. lower self-esteem. It's teaching them unhealthy relationship patterns for their lives, their higher incidence of substance abuse early sexual activities, like, that's the trajectory we see when kids stay in that really toxic environment. And is that
0: because, let's just take the drug abuse and early sexual activity, isn't that because they are trying to find an escape
1: from all the crazy going on? They're trying to cope with it. They're trying to cope with it. And so they will find, you know, some boys tend to take more risk-taking behaviors to cope with it, you know, so girls tend to internalize and be more depressed. Um, so it does, It sets them up for harm in their life, and that's not what we want as a parent. No,
0: absolutely not. So you're actually probably helping some people out there in our audience right now, Dr. Angel, who have maybe not not sure what they want to do in this, about the situation they're in. Um, speaking of toxic, I want you to go back to that for just a moment. You said name-calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it describes some of the abusive-type behaviors in a home that— you know, it's not good for the
1: kids. What's not good for the kids? Let well, me ask it that well, way. Well, first of all, any type of abuse is not good for kids. So if there's physical abuse, if you're you yelling and screaming, that just gets escalated, that's not healthy for kids. If money is being kept from one person and they're not allowed to have freedom of, of spending family abuse, finances. Right? Yeah. If they're being called names, being put down, um, you know, you're stupid, you don't do anything good, you're lazy, that's a toxic environment. Um, and a toxic environment can just be that we we ignore each other, like we don't exist. That's toxic because sure. we're teaching them that that's not you know we can accept a relationship that treats us poorly. And so toxic relationships can come in lots of forms. And if you're not sure, like seek help, like go consult with a professional therapist and say like this is what's happening. Like, is this toxic or is could we? If you want to save it, can we save this or maybe we can't? And don't you think if that the things that you're describing right there have been going
0: on for quite a period of time. It's hard to say that.
1: It is really hard because it it's a pattern that's very deeply ingrained. Right. And when somebody crosses the threshold of abusive relationship, where it actually hits that, that cycle of, of abuse that we've talked about, oh, yeah. when right. it hits that, that is really inside someone's attachment style that they've learned in their early childhood. So breaking those systems is really challenging. And they really have to want to do it different and work hard at it before we can ever come back to this relationship and work on it.
0: And don't you find that a lot of abusers really don't think they're that bad and they really well, that's just kind justify of their behavior,
1: right? The cycle of abuse, that they blame the other person. And so um, those are... Toxic relationships, but I would also go on to say a toxic relationship might be one where one person's not contributing to the house at all Maybe they want to stay home and play their video games all day And they're not helping with the kids or helping earn money, and they're just kind of sitting there Freeloading pretty much that's toxic that's that's teaching the kids that not okay, right?
0: I know of a situation um, and that where the husband is the abuser they're going through divorce but to control or try to control the wife he has told all three kids to call her
1: bad names every time they talk to her and and that's definitely toxic and abusive it's horrible and that's really harmful for kids too and so we want to protect our kids as much as we can so you know getting out and getting healthy is like number 1 goal right when you're in such a toxic environment Wow. So children don't
0: choose divorce, right? Nope. But they have to navigate through it, don't they? And, and what they maybe we can give some pointers tonight on some things that are good to to help with them and to help them
1: get through all this because it's hard. Well, you know it's hard and it's and it's hard when a whole family is going through a really stressful time because you know, they're not able to be each other's support fully. It was kind of like when we went through Irma a few months ago and oh, it was like yeah. everybody was stressed. So you could call anybody up and they're like as stressed as you are. And you just, it was hard to feel supported like when everybody's in the middle of it. The same thing with families. And so what's hard is the parents are trying so hard to deal with their own emotions, maybe their heartbreak, their disappointment, their grief, their loss, that they forget that children have their emotions in this too. And a lot of times the kids are not getting
0: the attention and the support they need, right? Is that what you're saying?
1: Absolutely. That may happen. Or maybe one parent's just so angry this is happening that they're talking bad about the other parent to their children, like trying to buddy. I'll see parents try to buddy up with their kids oh, yeah. and be like, oh, your mom is, bar, your dad is, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's their parent. That person's blood is pumping through their veins. And when you say that about their parent, you're saying it about them. Good point.
0: And I have heard this for years from people going through a difficult relationships, about to break up, in the process of breaking up, that one of the partners, and generally speaking, it's the person that doesn't want the divorce. They True. want everything to stay that way because they've got a slave or they've got the control of. Or, or all whatever, this, right. Whatever the case may be. But generally speaking, there's a lot of bad mouthing.
1: That's yeah, and been bad my mouthing experience. is still it's, toxic, it's
0: very toxic. But, but they if, feel justified because they're hurt. Or well, they, and, and if being... you're an
1: adult and you're hurt, you need to find another adult that you can vent to, not your children, <laughs> even if your children are adults. You do not want to vent to your children about even the other parent. Even if they're adults. It's still their parent. Exactly. And, and still I've in a, a lot of situations of through the years where... They do do that. They go to one of their kids. I see it all the time. And I see the harm that happens to the kids in that process. You need to find another adult. You need to find a support group that you can vent when your kids can't hear it. Not the next room. Not stepping outside on the phone. Because kids will hear that. You need to be where they cannot hear those conversations.
0: So, but let's say I'm just playing devil's advocate okay. here. Somebody says, but you know what? My husband is that way. He's horrible. So why can't I tell my adult children, for instance, about this? I mean, after all, they need to know why
1: I'm divorcing his butt. Not at all. You don't need your children's approval in this situation. You have to make the best choice you can for your family. And as a parent, your job is to protect your children. Right. Right. Truth comes out. Protect your children. Keep them safe. Now, we talk about this concept
0: a lot on Goyard, don't we? We do. When it comes to parenting, when it comes to interaction, it's
1: about keeping your children safe. Absolutely. You want to
0: amplify on that, Dr. Angel?
1: Well, and that's emotional safety, physical safety. That's keeping them safe. And so the way you keep them safe is you don't talk down about their other parent. No matter how bad that parent is, that child does not need to hear that. Okay, And so one of the ground rules, I mean, I, I'm divorced, and the first ground rule I set when I separated was, we don't talk about your dad negatively in this house. If you have a problem with daddy, you talk to daddy. That's right. And that's been the law ever since. And there's not, they'll get frustrated. They'll find daddy's true colors, their own selves, and get frustrated. That's an issue you need to take to your dad. It's right. Not a, that's not a this I house issue. I did the same
0: thing as much as possible when I went through it, but that was many years ago. But, But I do think it's very important that we try our best not to badmouth the Absolutely other not. the other parent. I think that's huge. Uh, even if the other parent badmouths you, what if that's happening? The other parent is so mad about the divorce whatever that they're just ragging on on
1: let's say the wife and sometimes it's the other way around husband wife but just the same. Well, you can't control what other people do. I can only control what happens in my house. Right. And so I took that control over my house and that's all I can control. The other person can talk bad and belittle and they're showing their t- they're showing that they're not protecting their and the kids see that and right. they feel the difference. Like I know my kids felt the difference. They're, you know, when they were at dad's, it, they felt that crisis state in that house and this all this horrible stuff. Right. And then the kids feel like it's betrayal to love one parent means I'm hurting another oh, parent. yeah, exactly. And betrayal. so they're caught in the middle. They're Both these people are their parents.
0: goes back to the safe word, right? Mm -hmm. You want to keep them safe and keep them from feeling that kind of, it's hard enough but to be feeling like they're being pulled all the time. And in in my experience with, with counseling, and yeah, it's pastoral counseling, not what, you know, I don't have those licenses that you do. But I do know that so often that there is one parent who is really, really, bad-mouthing and causing huge problems behind the scenes. Well, and that right happen. out, right out, not behind the scenes. I mean, right out. Flagrantly. But the deal
1: is if one parent will be the hero and step to the plate, it makes a huge difference for the kids. Okay, so you're they advocating. Have a safe zone.
0: All right, so you're advocating the parent who is getting out of this and is not the abuser
1: needs to be the hero. To be the hero for your children, protect your children. That's if a one really, parent is providing that emotional and physical safe place for those kids they'll have a chance to let those stresses come down and recover and so they can handle they'll have some coping skills to handle going back into an environment that's not as healthy okay i want to
0: ask you this question and we'll just start into it and then we're going to have to take a break here in about two minutes what happens when the parent that doesn't want to be divorced let's say let's call that person the abuser is doing so much bad-mouthing behind the scenes that the kids are twisted in... How how am I trying to ask this? They've convinced the kids that they uh, have to take care of that parent because the parent bursts into crying. The the parent, that parent that is bad-mouthing so often, has emotional trauma, is upset, is mad, is hurt, is screaming profanity all the time and the, the kids are told you have to stay here and take care of mommy or daddy whichever it is.
1: Well I would definitely say that child needs counseling. They're going to need a professional neutral place to be able to process and learn healthy boundaries. Right. And that would definitely be a professional intervention.
0: Absolutely. So if that's not happening you would advise that now to our audience
1: that they need to get some professional Absolutely. help. Absolutely. Kids need their own counseling. Not right. counseling with the parent. They need to place to have their own safe zone of expressing what they're feeling and what what's happening in their own way and does that usually happen in these divorce
0: divorce situations or do you know,
1: um, you do I, a know lot of, I do a lot Um of, of, chi- child and i do a lot of children counseling through that um a lot of times they'll come to me because it's a manipulative tactic to try and get you know, aside, but the end result, that child is my client, not the parent, and I I focus on helping that child learn healthy, safe relationships and boundaries, and so we see a lot of progress with that individual child.
0: Fantastic. We're coming right back. Stay with us. Call a friend. Have them join us tonight on Go Yard.
1: This is Megan, an independent
0: ambassador for Plexus, the pink drink. There is finally a healthy solution to help you lose weight. It's a most natural product that will burn fat, not muscle. People around the country
1: are experiencing amazing results, and you can too. Check out my independent ambassador website for my contact info, testimonials, and product information at
0: mkramer.myplexusproducts.com. Call Marsha today at 727-417-0707. Now is a great time to buy or sell a home. Call Marsha McAllister at 727-417-0707. Don't turn it off now. You need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tantalk Radio Network. Major king of anything <laughs> all right welcome back to goat yard i'm mama mac along with my co-host dr angel falzoni and in this last segment of the show yeah there thank you see she's famous she is people everybody knows that now uh we want to invite anybody out there who'd like to call in with a question or a comment you can do that in this part of the show 727-441-3000 and Dr. Angel will be more than happy to solve your problem. 727 441 And so let's go back. We're talking about divorce. And we're talking about how it affects our kids. Absolutely. And it does affect our kids. And anybody thinks that it doesn't, they're wrong. But I, well, the point we made earlier is that there can be just as much, if not worse, effects staying in a very dysfunctional
1: relationship. Absolutely. And so... when. Protection of our kids should always be our first priority in a divorce situation. Okay. You're going to have to be the hero and put your own feelings to the side sometimes Right. to be able to do that. Um, and remembering that the person you're divorcing is still biologically connected to That's children. Right. And so right. you want to encourage and foster relationships with their extended family. That's still their family. So it's not, let me keep you from anybody that has anything to do with your mother because we're not, you know. But they do that. People going through divorce,
0: I've seen it so many times. They try to play that card of, I, I'm just going to isolate you right here. You're you're my child and whatever. And it's
1: not healthy. And if we're protecting our kids, we need to foster all of their relationships right. of their family. And that's both sides of family. Because
0: they need that sense of everything staying. They need connection. That's yeah. their blood connection. Right, right.
1: And that's important.
0: Don't you see a lot of times that one of the parents does
1: try to absolutely isolate their kids? And not let them have visitation or talk negatively about their grandparents or their cousins or their aunts or their uncles. That's family to this child. This is this child's family. And it's really important you keep that in mind because When you're saying negative things, it is the same as if you're calling your child these things. I think that's a huge point, and a lot of people don't realize
0: that. So it's important that the the kids are allowed to maintain those relationships. What about the parent that is saying, "Uh, I don't want you to go to your mom's because blah, 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 blah. And and the parent who really tries to keep those kids totally um, under his or her control.
1: Well, and that's where we need more professional interventions. That's where professional therapists are really important. That's where maybe legal, you know, things have to happen because, you know, the ultimate goal through a divorce should be the protection of kids and keeping them safe. And so if a parent, like we call parent alienation, where a parent tries to alienate the other parent from the children, and it happens a lot of times it in abusive a lot, systems, doesn't it? Yes. Very much. So, but the court recognizes parent alienation. It's super hard to prove, but that's why you need therapists. That's why you need outside professionals to kind of Tell me
0: about a guardian ad litem and when would that guardian be appointed in a divorce situation? What is a guardian ad litem? Some people out there are going to ask that.
1: Oh, that's a great question. So, a guardian ad litem is a court-appointed guardian that is supposed to represent the kids' safety and protection, and help the kids maintain their needs through this divorce. So it is okay. not about taking sides with the parent who's right, who's wrong. It's not about that at all. Is is this? Are these kids having their needs met? Are they being protected? That's their whole job. And giving the children a voice in court. Okay. And so they so can. So they will speak for the children absolutely. in court to the judge. Absolutely. They would have asked the They kids. advocate for kids. They talk to the so kids. So they would have
0: said to the kids, you know, what's your perspective or how do they how handle How are you feeling? What's
1: going on? Okay. How, what do you want? And does it always happen the way the children want? No. But their job is to make sure these kids' rights are being protected through this process. And the messier the divorce, the more important a guardian ad litem can be. So if you're leaving an abusive relationship, guardians are really important um, because they can navigate the system and advocate for protection. They can help you know, see that parent alienation happening and and get those steps. And I
0: know in your capacity and the job that you have and all the counselors that work under you and all of that stuff, you have the opportunity from time to time to work with these guardians. I
1: work with them all the time because they're wanting, what's the professional clinician's, you know, impression? What's going on? What are your recommendations for this child? Right. Okay.
0: So it's a good thing when attorneys decide for
1: a guardian. And how does that happen? Why would that happen? So you can make a request to the courts and then they'll sign a guardian ad litem. And they're volunteers and they do a great job. They're trained. And, you know, for the most part, they do a really, really good job advocating for this kid. So they'll visit them at school and just really see what the world is like and how they can help keep it together through this process. Okay. So
0: if one person that's, let's say, getting a divorce, who is the one who's been being abused, can they ad- ask yes, for they can a guardian and they, and they if they're to- not If they're having problems working with the other parent, right?
1: They'll have to go through the legal. Their attorney would have to um, make that request formally, but they can get one appointed. Okay.
0: Especially if the other part of the equation is giving them a hard time and and, and doing the parental alienation. So I want to go back to parental alienation. So guardian ad litem is a good thing. And if any of you out there are in the middle of this and a guardian has been appointed, that's a good thing right? Absolutely. Okay, go back to parental alienation. And why is that so important to know about it and to recognize it and to be on alert for it?
1: Well, it is exactly what it sounds like it is. It's when one parent is attempting to alienate the children from the other parent. So they may try and sweet talk them into staying at their house or buy them nice gifts or give them special privileges so that they won't go visit the other parent. And it's super toxic and unhealthy for kids. They need access to their parents. Right, both of them. Both of them, unless you have, like, you know, super abuse happening to the kid. If you have abuse happening to the kids, then no. That's different, Then yeah. if you you know, you know have drugs happening to the, you know, that's a different situation. But outside of that, they need access to their, their parents, both. Okay, so
0: parental alienation is something that the court does recognize. Like it you is, just it said is that, recognized,
1: right? yes. It's hard to prove, which is where Why you Why is it hard to prove? Well, it's hard to prove someone's motive sometimes. Ah, Okay. And it's really based on it, the whole motive being to keep them away from the other parents. So right. we, it takes time to see that pattern. And so it can be a little more challenging. Okay. All right. Okay.
0: So it's important that we are aware of that Absolutely. and that our audience is aware of that. So, okay, what happens in a situation? Okay, we're having a fake, it's just, you know, situation here but let's say they're uh, halfway into divorce and by the way how long does divorce
1: take it can take a long time it can be a short process of a few months it can take years
0: so it all depends on a lot of other factors right Right. you
1: get along are you agreeing where you're at in this process so the more agreeable you are the quicker the process the less agreeable you are the longer the process
0: so if in an abusive
1: situation
0: let's say that the person that's being uh, abused really needs to get out of this whole mess and get things life settled does the judge ever
1: say okay i see all this going on we're going to move this along they can do that they can always intervene Uh, But it can take times because, you know, court dockets are busy and and things can take time to happen. Right. There's also emergency hearings that should happen, but they don't always happen the way they should. Right. Um, There are domestic violence, um, especially if there's domestic violence in a situation. There are advocates and help that can kind of help with some temporary support and things to help keep you on your feet until the courts can intervene. Okay.
0: All good. All right. What happens in a situation where you have the abuser... Uh, being told by, let's say, his attorney or her attorney, whoever it is, to stop all the contact with the other partner or other spouse, right? Stop the abusive contact. Because I've known situations, and you, I'm sure you have, where uh, the abuser does not take no for an answer and, and does not respect the fact that he's been told or she's been told to stop 300 texts in a week. Or well, to stop you can, all the emails. Yeah,
1: you can go file, you know, non-contact orders if, you know, if it continues And you're talking about on. a restraining order? Yeah, non-contact restraining type orders. Yes, you can go through the courts and, and file those if it if it's overwhelming to you. But a what, lot of people don't want to take that step, Right. Why not? I don't know why not. Okay. I think everyone has their own reasons. Maybe fear, maybe I don't know. But you can, you know, ask the courts to intervene in those cases. Okay.
0: So, but when you have somebody that absolutely disregards, disrespects what his his or her ter- attorney said, they're going to do it however they want to do it, and they're going to continue to uh, talk down about the other parent, They're the, all the things that we're talking right now that they shouldn't be doing, and they're actually continuing to do it because there's no respect, there's no then nobody's going to tell them, her, him, whichever the abuser is. Nobody is going to
1: tell that person what to do, you know. Well, and that happens. I mean, it's, it's uh, I'm above the law. Eventually the law will catch up. That's why it's important to have professionals in those heavy situations because they can document what's happening from the children's perspective. And those okay. documents are legal records and can be subpoenaed to court and can help, you know, with reducing that so so you're saying
0: i i just heard a sentence i thought was interesting it that will catch up with them
1: it you yeah usually does catch up with them because judges don't take it too kindly when people don't obey orders and you know um sometimes it takes a bit but usually it will catch up with them okay and and there are laws in place too so like if they're ordered to pay child support and they're not paying child support there are way you know they can lose their driver's license in the state of florida like there's repercussions okay that can help force them to comply with regulations. Okay. Like
0: some others. What are some others? Driver's license. What else?
1: I don't know it all offhand. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm not an attorney, Mama right. Mac. <laughs> all right.
0: That's okay. You're very knowledgeable, though, for not being an attorney because you've had personal experience with all this. And with I work the people through that that a lot wor- of people. Yes. Yeah, you work with people. Okay. So it. So for, no, I guess the point I'm trying to get at is for the listener out there that has been abused, who has is going through a terrible time of divorce and all of this and the other person doesn't respect no for an answer the other person doesn't care what his or her attorney says to
1: them whatever give them some hope will you well you know and the hope is is stay strong Okay. Um, the really important part is a lot of times the abuser's motives of continuing the abuse is to get you to learn, overwhelm you, and get you back, and kind of so they can keep that cycle of abuse up. So you got to stop it. So what you feed grows, what you starve dies. So. You know, getting those no-contact orders if it's crossing those thresholds. If you're not feeling safe, absolutely get restraining orders. You know, making sure you're documenting what's happening, how it's happening, keeping good records. Really important for courts. Courts want records, and you eventually will get there. They will try their delays and their continuances, but it does get to court. And, you know, the better your documentation is, the more likely, you know, There's a lot of hope for things happening in a more favorable outcome for you.
0: So I just heard you say something about if tell me if I'm wrong here, uh, that it's kind of like the abuser where let's go back to that is beating down the person to try to get his or her situation resolved. In other words, they want that person back, you said, or they don't want to pay money. They don't want to pay child support. So they want all the kids living with them. Absolutely, there's a lot of manipulation
1: that happens and through these situations and the important part is once you made that decision to leave you stay strong in that decision right and get whatever support you need to help you stay strong if that's you need to be in counseling then get in counseling if you need to be in a support group get in a support group if you just need to have supportive people that you can cheer you behind and help keep you strong the more you feed the negativity the more it, it grows fear for you and so Fear is one of the major problems. It is. It is. It's one of
0: the major things. So let's talk about communication between the two parents, okay? Because this has been a problem in a lot of situations that I've known about. Talk to me about communication. What should it look like and what does it look like a lot of times? Let's start with what it does look like a lot of times. Well, a lot
1: of times it's the phone call of maybe they're going to say something about the kid and then they're, oh, I miss you or I want you back or blah, blah, blah. I'll do, I'll change. It'll be, you know, it's the The use the kid to get the door open and lots of promises. Um, And you have to have really good boundaries when you're communicating with the other parent. That's really important. You have to know what I'm willing to talk about, what I'm not willing to talk about, and how much. But
0: what if they're crying on the phone and they're desperate and they're at your door and they're pounding on the door and they're so upset?
1: You do not have to answer your door. You do not have (coughs) to take phone calls. That's why we have voicemail. Um, I love voicemail. Let it go to voicemail. (coughs) If they're the person that's going to, you know, you feel guilt and they're using guilt, don't, don't get in the minute. You don't have to answer that phone when they call. You might decide, you know what, I might just... Look at my phone message once a day and then and, and return any necessary calls. The important thing is limit the conversation to things only about the kids. So as soon as the conversation turns to the relationship or something personal, that's time to say bye and cut it off. Hang up. Okay, good advice. Hang up if you have to. So the
0: person that has false emergencies all the time, the, the spouse that is trying to manipulate to get this partner back home, so to speak. False emergencies. How do they handle those? Well,
1: things? you can decipher. Is this? Um, you have to get pretty good at confronting on the phone, like get direct to the bottom line, and I call it bottom lining. Like, okay, what's bottom the emergency? lining? Yeah, okay. get to the bottom. What's the emergency? That's emergency. That's not an emergency, and that's the end of the phone call. Goodbye. Okay. Or oh, that really is an emergency. Or you might want to define an emergency is if one of these children have to go to the hospital. Right. Don't call me unless that happens, and don't be available. Right. You don't have to answer just because they but call. But don't
0: you know I've seen this with people going through this that have been abused for numbers of years.
1: It's like they're it's not that they're addicted to it, it's their normal. They know it. It's what they know. You have to break that. That's why you really need counseling if you've been in an abusive relationship period. You have to learn a new way. Or else what will happen is you may get away from this one, you'll just walk into the another same one. thing, you'll with find another else. one.
0: I've heard that said what about you know, alcoholics. That you divorce an alcoholic and you'll find another one right down the what corner. you know. You
1: got to learn to do it different. Yeah. And that takes time. And part of that is having that there. Setting those boundaries. Not being available. Maybe looking at if you have the kids. There really shouldn't be a reason the other parent has an emergency when the kids are with you. So that you should really be able to limit your contact at that point. Maybe once a day you will listen to voicemails or respond to a text and keep it really on the kids. Okay.
0: But don't you think a lot of times these are just manipulative techniques to get to the spouse? It's
1: unhealthy relationship patterns, and they get really explosive during a divorce. It gets super unhealthy sometimes, and so... Back to the point you made
0: earlier in the first segment, so often I think kids are learning this pattern of behavior from what they're watching, don't you think?
1: They learn what they, yeah, what you model for You said that
0: earlier, and I think that's right on, especially when you're talking about these kind of manipulative
1: techniques. Right. They're
0: seeing dad get away with it.
1: Right, so if one parent uses guilt to get the other parent to do what they want, then the kids learn to use guilt you know they learn those things they learn what works and it's not healthy for them and so that's why it's important to get them to that healthy environment but you have to be healthy too and if you've been in an abusive relationship you're not going to be there yet so be patient get some help set some boundaries stick to them no matter how much you feel like picking up that phone like you're supposed to don't do it you have to learn to break that cycle that's right
0: okay so in this whole thing about kids and all this talk to me about codependency And I know we've done shows on that, but it goes along right here with this. Because a person that's been, let's say, in an abusive relationship for 20 years and has left and come back and left and come back and I'm going to get a divorce this time. No, I'm not. I'm going to, you know, all of that kind of stuff, roller coaster emotionally and, you know, just bad for all these years. How do they really break this? some of these habits how do they do with, it
1: with professional help most of the time okay then it's, what it's is dependency define you that. know and it's where you need someone to have a problem you need to be needed ah okay you need to be needed which is where we'll see some of these next boundaries get broke where like uh, one parent's having a problem parenting the children when they have them so they're calling the other parent for help yeah i can't do with this i can't handle this don't it's not your job each parent needs to deal with the problems that happen in their own home and not that, the others.
0: And the rules are apply to that home, not the other right. home. You right, can't you can't make rules for that? the other parent. Your rules are
1: for your house. That parent's rules is for that parent. So what if you home. grounded
0: this teenager because he was out in the garage smoking pot and you found him and you grounded him at your house, goes to dad's house or whatever, the other way around. However, so
1: punishments do not go back and forth. Okay, good So each parent has to make their set of rules. They have to give the other parent the freedom to have their own set of rules. And what happens in this house is finished at this house. It doesn't, you're grounded and, you know, one parent gets, uh, you know, weekend visits and every Friday, you know, one parent's grounding them all weekend. Well, that's not fair to the other parent. So punishments finish in the house they start. Right. So you might have to have several visits to finish a punishment of severity, but it's only related to this house. Now, if you have a good co-parenting relationship, and some people do, some people just really? can't be married, <laughs> but really? they can co-parent very well. Okay, and no, that's okay. I know that's true. I'm just and teasing. you know, if you do have that good co-parenting, now maybe you have that conversation. I just caught, you know, our our child smoking dope in the in the garage. How should we handle it? That's a different situation. If both parents are like, oh, I think this he should be grounded for the month from you know his car, and then they both can enforce it. But that's an agreed upon. Time when you can and get along. actually
0: that's not very common is it
1: it's not common but when it happens it's super effective right to have both parents together. and some people really can co-parent and just not be married
0: okay well that's
1: encouraging it is encouraging, listeners. right but unless there's that co-parenting element what happens in this house finishes in this house okay
0: i like that that's good um okay so then that, what you're doing is giving the other parent the right to parent
1: the way he or she wants to to be a parent. Absolutely. And each person will have a different standard and, and that's, that's okay. Kids can learn two different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. As long as it's stable, that's okay for them. They, they can get it. They'll you know, mom's house is this way, Dad's house is this way, and it may be completely polar opposite, but it's predictable for them. And so the people
0: out there in our audience that are struggling with making a decision to step into divorce or whatever, separation, divorce. And we've talked about some of the reasons why you would do it. Um, are there any other things that we need to cover here where it comes to these kids that it, it's damaging to the kids? Because that's always been the old argument. This is damaging to the kids that live in a divorced home or well, to
1: come from a divorced home. Absolutely. That's the old way of thinking. And the research has definitely shown us that that's not true. And so creating predictability is really, really important for kids healing through the divorce process. Okay. So predictability. When, when we separate, we need to have a predictable schedule. Yeah. They need to know about what to expect. Um, if it's making calendars or when they get to visit the other parent, we right. should yeah. make a stable schedule as as early as we can agree on that so that the kids kind of know when I'm going to see this parent when I see this parent like we need to have predictability that helps them heal and it's
0: not okay to keep have one of the parents hold the kids hostage right
1: they no that's not okay but it does happen it does and that's when you you need more professional interventions in those cases um and they need to have you know a nice predictable schedule so when I'm at you know Parent one's house, you know, we eat dinner like this. We do this after school. Like, this is our schedule here. And when I'm at parent two's house, they have their own predictability. And it can be different as long as it's stable. So there's nothing wrong with it being different. Not
0: at all. So just allow that. I keep hearing you say the predictability and that... It's huge with kids because they like consistency and they like predictability. They like to know what's going to happen today. They
1: thrive on it. And actually, I mean, there's a whole neurobiological thing that happens with the brain when we have it. So it's really important for... Talk about that a minute. Oh, I'm not going to go super geeky on you here. No, don't
0: go super geeky, but just give us an out, you know, like a...
1: But when they have predictability, what's happening is they're accessing their entire... They have access to their entire brain, which is their frontal part is their thinking, their reasoning, their feelings part of their brain. When they don't, they don't work in that front part of their brain. They're working in their midbrain, which is, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's ha-. So they're always wondering what's happening next. And they're thinking about that constantly. So they don't learn well in school. They're uh. not feeling safe. They can't and get in touch with their emotions. So you'll see a lot of rage and aggression because they're in that. I have no idea what my world's looking like today. And that we can't live like that. It's kind of like living on the battlefield for kids. Like you put someone on the battlefield, their brain is in midbrain. Um, it's this uh, divorce battlefield's the same wow when it comes to the brain wow so go back to the frontal part of the brain again why do we have to to live from there so well we want to access our frontal our frontal prefrontal cortex because that's where we are learning happens that's okay. where our emotional regulation happens that's where our feelings are happening that's where our cause and effect is happening and our Abstract thinking is happening. So all that advanced thinking happens in the front. Cause and effect. That's huge. It is huge. I mean,
0: you see kids all the time in this society now that don't seem to understand cause and effect.
1: Right. Well, your frontal lobe develops till you're 24 years old. So they're constantly developing. But what happens when they get stuck in midbrain? I don't know what's happening. My world is not predictable. My world doesn't feel safe. All they can think about is staying safe and figuring it out that they're not getting, in fact, you can pull fMRIs and see the what? midbrain, what? fMRIs, what? functional um, MRIs, okay. and you can see where kids who've lived in chronic stress have bigger midbrains and smaller front brains. Seriously. Absolutely. Wow. That's huge. And so what they're doing is they're growing that you emergency know, system. This is so important that we discuss
0: this so that parents out there realize the effects that this kind of abusive, and chaotic, disruptive right. and chaotic and name calling and all that, that it is affecting their kids to right. live so in that.
1: If they're living in that environment, right. they're still in midbrain and they're not gonna do well in school. They're eventually gonna, you know, get frustrated, you'll see more aggression, more anger. That's why you see Drugs, that. Alcohol. That's why you see that trajectory. Right. They need predictability and stability and they need you know, a, a safe place. Okay.
0: Sum it up, doctor. you got about a minute and a half, maybe, Pete, or two minutes. What does she have? Three. Okay, I have three. You I have can three just sum it up. minutes,
1: Dr. Angel. If you have kids and you're going through a divorce, your number one job is to protect them. Your number one job is not to go find a replacement partner. Your number one oh job my is gosh. not to get Address out there and date. That,
0: please. Address that. <laughs>
1: that could be a show by itself. It, um, it should be a show by itself, but well, that a lot is of what happens. That is when one they're person. They're so
0: afraid of being alone. They're out there in the bars. And they working. are.
1: Your kids need you home, and they right. need you available as much as you can. Protecting your kids means you're not talking about the other parent negatively or their family negatively to that child. You're getting your supports met somewhere else away from your child so that they don't have to hear it. You're you're providing predictability, safety. You're You're setting boundaries for your communication with the other parent right that's what it boils down to with kids safety predictability yep so be the hero every child
0: needs a hero oh wow do you want to say one more thing about that hero concept because i think that's extremely important because a lot of people feel well because they're they're blaming the other person and it's their fault it's their
1: fault i don't even care fault anymore someone needs to be a hero and step up for the these children involved every child needs a hero And it doesn't matter if that other person's wrong. At the end of the day, if your child is hurt and damaged because of that environment, that hurt and damage lasts a long time. It takes a long time to rewire that brain. I think we can call the show, Every Child Needs a Hero. They really do. Yeah. And especially through divorce. Wow. And make sure your kids are getting support, too, outside of you. They need, if they're in a youth group or counseling or some healthy outlets for their own communication and pro-social skills. Yeah. They need all that.
0: Okay, where are we going next week in this topic? I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out, right? Absolutely. Okay. This is series is called It's Complicated Surviving Divorce. And so that's what we've been talking about. We invite you to check out these shows on our website, Goyard2014.org. We got a lot of them on there for three years plus now. Also, go to TantalkNetwork.com to catch up from last week if you missed part one of this new series or a lot of the other podcasts. They are there for you. Also, every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 12 noon Eastern, this show from this week will be played this Saturday and Sunday on StarcomRadioNetwork.com. That's another radio network that we're on every Saturday and Sunday, 12 noon Eastern, StarcomRadioNetwork.com. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I think that's it. And who are you anyway? This has been Dr. Angel. Oh, yeah, and I'm Mama (laughs) Mac, and this has been Goyard, and we'll see you next week.
1: Have a good one. Good night.